Section 36 of Shelley, Selected Poems and Prose. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Section 36. Two excerpts from A Defense of Poetry. Excerpt 1. Poetry is ever accompanied with pleasure. All spirits on which it falls open themselves to receive the wisdom which is mingled with its delight. In the infancy of the world, neither poets themselves nor their auditors are fully aware of the excellence of poetry, for it acts in a divine and unapprehended manner, beyond and above consciousness, and it is reserved for future generations to contemplate and measure the mighty cause and effect in all the strength and splendor of their union. Even in modern times no living poet ever arrived at the fullness of his fame. The jury which sits in judgment upon a poet, belonging as he does to all time, must be composed of his peers. It must be impaneled by time from the selectest of the wise of many generations. A poet is a nightingale who sits in darkness and sings to cheer its own solitude with sweet sounds. His auditors are as men entranced by the melody of an unseen musician, who feel that they are moved and softened, yet know not whence or why. The poems of Homer and his contemporaries were the delight of infant Greece. They were the elements of that social system which is the column upon which all succeeding civilization has reposed. Homer embodied the ideal perfection of his age in human character. Nor can we doubt that those who read his verses were awakened to an ambition of becoming like to Achilles, Hector, and Ulysses. The truth and beauty of friendship, patriotism, and persevering devotion to an object, were unveiled to the depth in these immortal creations. The sentiments of the auditors must have been refined and enlarged by a sympathy with such great and lovely impersonations, until from admiring they imitated, and from imitation they identified themselves with the objects of their admiration. Nor let it be objected that these characters are remote from moral perfection, and that they can by no means be considered as edifying patterns for general imitation. Every epoch, under names more or less specious, has deified its peculiar errors. Revenge is the naked idol of the worship of a semi-barbarous age, and self-deceit is the veiled image of unknown evil, before which luxury and satiety lie prostrate. But a poet considers the vices of his contemporaries as the temporary dress in which his creations must be arrayed, and which cover without concealing the eternal proportions of their beauty. An epic or dramatic personage is understood to wear them around his soul as he may the ancient armor or the modern uniform around his body. 
whilst it is easy to conceive a dress more graceful than either. The beauty of the internal nature cannot be so far concealed by its accidental vesture, but that the spirit of its form shall communicate itself to the very disguise, and indicate the shape it hides from the manner in which it is worn. A majestic form and graceful motions will express themselves through the most barbarous and tasteless costume. Few poets of the highest class have chosen to exhibit the beauty of their conceptions in its naked truth and splendor, and it is doubtful whether the alloy of costume, habit, etc., be not necessary to temper this planetary music for mortal ears. The whole objection, however, of the immorality of poetry rests upon a misconception of the manner in which poetry acts to produce the moral improvement of man. Ethical science arranges the elements which poetry has created, and propounds schemes and proposes examples of civil and domestic life. Nor is it for want of admirable doctrines that men hate and despise and censure and deceive and subjugate one another. But poetry acts in another and diviner manner. It awakens and enlarges the mind itself by rendering it the receptacle of a thousand unapprehended combinations of thought. Poetry lifts the veil from the hidden beauty of the world and makes familiar objects be as if they were not familiar. It reproduces all that it represents, and the impersonations clothed in its Elysian light stand thenceforward in the minds of those who have once contemplated them as memorials of that gentle and exalted content which extends itself over all thoughts and actions with which it coexists. The great secret of morals is love, or a going out of our nature and an identification of ourselves with the beautiful which exists in thought, action, or person, not our own. A man to be greatly good must imagine intensely and comprehensively. He must put himself in the place of another and of many others the pains and pleasure of his species must become his own. The great instrument of moral good is the imagination, and poetry administers to the effect by acting upon the cause. Poetry enlarges the circumference of the imagination by replenishing it with thoughts of ever-new delight, which have the power of attracting and assimilating to their own nature all other thoughts, and which form new intervals and interstices whose void forever craves fresh food. Poetry strengthens the faculty which is the organ of the moral nature of man in the same manner as exercise strengthens a limb. Excerpt 2 Poetry is indeed something divine, 
it is at once the centre and circumference of knowledge it is that which comprehends all science and that to which all science must be referred it is at the same time the root and blossom of all other systems of thought it is that from which all spring and that which adorns all and that which if blighted denies the fruit and the seed and withholds from the barren world the nourishment and the succession of the scions of the tree of life it is the perfect and consummate surface and bloom of all things it is as the odor and the color of the rose to the texture of the elements which compose it as the form and splendor of unfaded beauty to the secrets of anatomy and corruption what were virtue love patriotism friendship what were the scenery of this beautiful universe which we inhabit what were our consolations on this side of the grave and what were our aspirations beyond it if poetry did not ascend to bring light and fire from those eternal regions where the owl-winged faculty of calculation dare not ever soar poetry is not like reasoning a power to be exerted according to the determination of the will a man cannot say i will compose poetry the greatest poet even cannot say it for the mind in creation is as a fading coal which some invisible influence like an inconstant wind awakens to transitory brightness this power arises from within like the color of a flower which fades and changes as it is developed and the conscious portions of our natures are unprophetic either of its approach or its departure could this influence be durable in its original purity and force it is impossible to predict the greatness of the results but when composition begins inspiration is already on the decline and the most glorious poetry that has ever been communicated to the world is probably a feeble shadow of the original conceptions of the poet i appeal to the greatest poets of the present day whether it is not an error to assert that the finest passages of poetry are produced by labor and study the toil and the delay recommended by critics can be justly interpreted to mean no more than a careful observation of the inspired moments and an artificial connection of the spaces between their suggestions by the intertexture of conventional expressions a necessity only imposed by the limitedness of the poetical faculty itself for milton conceived the paradise lost as a whole before he executed it in portions we have his own authority also for the muse having dictated to him the unpremeditated song and let this be an answer to those who would allege the fifty-six various readings of the first line of the orlando furioso compositions so produced are to poetry what mosaic is to painting this instinct and intuition of the poetical faculty are still more observable in the plastic and pictorial arts 
a great statue or picture grows under the power of the artist as a child in a mother's womb and the very mind which directs the hand in formation is incapable of accounting to itself for the origin the gradations or the media of the process poetry is the record of the best and happiest moments of the happiest and best minds we are aware of evanescent visitations of thought and feelings sometimes associated with place or person sometimes regarding our own mind alone and always arising unforeseen and departing unbidden but elevating and delightful beyond all expression so that even in the desire and the regret they leave there cannot but be pleasure participating as it does in the nature of its object it is as it were the interpenetration of a diviner nature through our own but its footsteps are like those of a wind over the sea which the coming calm erases and whose traces remain only as on the wrinkled sand which paves it these and corresponding conditions of being are experienced principally by those of the most delicate sensibility and the most enlarged imagination and the state of mind produced by them is at war with every base desire the enthusiasm of virtue love patriotism and friendship is essentially linked with such emotions and whilst they last self appears as what it is an atom to a universe poets are not only subject to these experiences as spirits of the most refined organization but they can color all that they combine with the evanescent hues of this ethereal world a word a trait in the representation of a scene or a passion will touch the enchanted chord and reanimate in those who have ever experienced these emotions the sleeping the cold the buried image of the past poetry thus makes immortal all that is best and most beautiful in the world it arrests the vanishing apparitions which haunt the inner lunations of life and veiling them or in language or in form sends them forth among mankind bearing sweet news of kindred joy to those with whom their sisters abide abide because there is no portal of expression from the caverns of the spirit which they inhabit into the universe of things poetry redeems from decay the visitations of the divinity in man poetry turns all things to loveliness it exalts the beauty of that which is most beautiful and it adds beauty to that which is most deformed it marries exaltation and horror grief and pleasure eternity and change it subdues to union under its light yoke all irreconcilable things it transmutes all that it touches and every form moving within the radiance of its presence is changed by wondrous sympathy to an incarnation of the spirit which it breathes 
its secret alchemy turns to potable gold the poisonous waters which flow from death through life it strips the veil of familiarity from the world and lays bare the naked and sleeping beauty which is the spirit of its forms end of section thirty six excerpts from a defense of poetry by percy bysshe shelley recording by leonard wilson of springfield ohio